Hello, this is Robert Neville from the Food Justice and Sustainability Program at KAM Isaiah Israel in Hyde Park. You're listening to 1590 WCGO Chicago Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. Here comes Santa and his reindeer with a Yuletide message for all to hear. wife wouldn't love a modern home freezer, an up-to-date range. A big new refrigerator, a smart steel cabinet sink, a clothes washer or dryer. An automatic water heater or wonderful dishwasher. These are all gifts that do so much to lighten a wife's work. Give her more time to spend with the rest of the family. So men, take this hint from U.S. Steel. And you ladies, remind him by singing this song. Live from a cul-de-sac somewhere in Evanston, Illinois, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. 20 years and counting as Chicago's go-to deep green gardening and environment program. Heard every Sunday morning on Chicago's Smart Talk. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. And true currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees, strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 847 475 1590, on Facebook and Instagram at The Mike Novak Show, and at Mike Now on Twitter. And here they are. She's lean and he's green. Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova. Right. Hey, welcome. Okay. Good morning. Randall's going to be working on. Do you hear yourself at all? Uh, no. Okay. So we're going. Can you hear us in the studio? Is it? It's coming through, right? Okay. We're just not getting it back here, so we're just going to talk and assume that. So folks if we are, just keep talking over the commercials, well, you know. Yeah, what yeah. You know, you'll know exactly <laughs> why. And he's going to continue playing with the dial. I'd say. Uh, Call Run sonar. out and get sonar. Bring them in. <laughs> uh, welcome. Good morning, everybody. And, uh, and oh, and I suppose uh, and I, it's great to have people jump right on on Facebook, and, and I love that because we are live on Facebook. Um, and uh, John Armstrong is there and Jackie Tanaka and, and a few more. Uh, and, more and, joining and all if, the time. And if people are looking, you're all dressed up this morning. Uh, yeah, because I'm headed out. Wait, let's Wait you need your hat? Can I put this on with the, I'm not sure with the headsets it works, but uh, I can't. All right, let's do this. There we go. There you go. So uh, this is how the uh, fashionable radio host is dressing these days. Awfully spiffy this morning. You like that hat? Mm -hmm. You like that? Okay. And uh, let's see. uh, uh, Oh, I can hear myself now. How about that? And, Thank you, Sona. Uh, and this is because afterward, I'm I'm headed out to. Uh, I, if folks have been following my so-called career for uh, for years, uh, know that. Uh, oh, and look, we're getting likes on that. Yay! Good morning, uh, Judy. Hey, Judy. Good morning. All right. 
So the life of a frozen robin. The right life of a frozen robin. That is my caroling group, and this is the time. I mean, I I did two gigs yesterday. Did one, one Friday. On Friday. I got one today. Then you and I are going to a conference mm-hmm. later in the day, and then we're going to a conference. <laughs> then we're going to an opening tomorrow, and then we're going to a conference on Tuesday. And then, yikes! And then I think I actually have another gig on Tuesday, and then oh, I got dear. more in the week. <sighs> but you know. That's I have to make people happy. That's my job. It's the holidays. It's the holiday season. Um, so so that's what I do. So I don't know if I should uh, keep this on. Uh, no, probably well, cause not. Well, because we can now hear wait, through wait, the headsets. So wait. can all right. How's that? Can I take a photo? Uh, yes, you may. You may take a photo. Uh, you talk while I get my <laughs> okay, camera going. Just here. talk amongst yourself. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> it's Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki. And uh, holy smoke, have we got a lot of stuff going on today. How's that? Yeah, do, should I stop talking while look. you do that? It's a look, yeah. It's roses and it's roses and roundup. Oh, that would have been the, that's the title. Roses and roundup. Roses and roundup. Well, that's because you finished Except the Except the people would have gotten the idea. If I put that as the title of the blog post, roses and roundup, mm-hmm. people would have said, oh, he's going to tell us that we're supposed to be putting roses or roundup on our roses. Or he's telling no, us that we no. shouldn't put Roundup on our roses, but they're not related at all. Nope. In the first hour, we have our buddy who was on the show earlier this year, uh, Chris Van Cleve, who is affectionately known as the Redneck Rosarian. Uh, and he's from Alabama. Shall we ask him about the election down there? Hmm. Um, hmm probably not. Uh, and while it's still warm out here, as you can see, and it's going to be maybe 60s tomorrow, yeesh. Um, you got roses. I'm going to ask him what happens if your roses look like they're sending buds out at this point. And probably the answer is don't do anything. Just, just leave it. Um, because it'll freeze. Oh, and Chris, there's Chris. He says he's underdressed. Uh, (laughs) yeah, you are. You can't, you can't top this pal. All right. There's no way you can do that. Especially with the headphones like yeah, that. Yeah, especially with the headphones like that. Yeah, I and guess. we'll be giving away some fabulous prizes. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we've got some uh, in there. So it's all coming up uh, today. Uh, second hour is the roundup part. Carrie Gillum has uh, written an amazing book called Whitewash, the story of a weed killer, cancer, and the corruption of science. And so if those, those of you who are interested in the whole story of... Roundup, and should you use it? Is it safe? Um, we're going to uh, talk about that. Yeah, what? You're, you're, she's giving me the, the sign. Yeah, because you that, can't hear it. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I can hear it now. Actually, I was looking at the clock. So, uh, Carrie Gillum will be on the second. We heard from Rick DeMaio today. Unfortunately, the poor guy's under the weather. He's got the flu. Yikes. So, we're on our own. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We hope you stick around and maybe even contribute to the conversation. We'll be right back. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne Keratin Smoothing Products. 
that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at organicrootsecosalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. Here's the bad news. One out of every six Americans doesn't know where their next meal will come from. So what's the good news? You can help. This year, instead of decorating your holiday table with flowers, use an arrangement of fresh, uncut fruits and veggies, which can be then donated to a local food pantry. Share a photo of your centerpiece with the hashtag AmpleCenterpiece, and you could win a $50 gift certificate to Gardner's Supply Company. Go to ampleharvest.org holiday to learn more. DNR Services Unlimited has been serving the north and northwest suburbs since 1992. They can take care of those little problems that never get done. They perform complete bathroom, basement, and kitchen remodels. And if you're looking for a complete home makeover, they can handle that too. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. That's RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. Hi, this is Bill from Playtime with Sid and Bill featuring Carrie Kendall, 1 to 3, every Sunday right here on 1590 WCGO. Santa had a cup of coffee and he ate a little snack, throwed his old pack right over his back, opened the window on his little shack and shouted, oh, dash around down so Dixon and Blitzen, come on here. We're gonna get a going and spread some cheer. So limber your legs and sharpen your hooks. Cause tonight is the night we're gonna jump to the roofs. Well, the reindeer, they were so proud and grand to take another trip all over the land. They jumped right into their proper place to get head up for that midnight race. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And that is... Who is that? That's the uh, reindeer boogie, Hank Snow. Oh, that is that's, that's old. That's a classic. Yeah. All right. Uh, I haven't heard that name, Hank Snow, in a while. I, I bet you haven't. Not a lot going on with Hank Snow these days. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> um, welcome back, and we're very happy to bring in uh, to the conversation our old buddy, and that is Cliff Van Cleve. Cl- Cliff or Cliff, Chris. You know, I got to tell you, Chris, I haven't had a lot of sleep today, okay? I'm just letting you know right now. Um, how are you this morning? Hey, good morning. I'm doing well. Doing well. It's great to talk to you guys. It's great to talk to you. Where are you today? Well, I'm in Helena, Alabama, a little bit south of Birmingham. About 40, 49 degrees here this morning. Hmm. Well, I, wow. We're, we're, you're just, it's about the same temperature up here. Uh, it's It's been uh, a weird... Weird weather again. Uh, our our November was like our December, and now our December, as Rick DeMaio, our meteorologist, said last week, our December is like our October. Uh, Give it a week. And, uh, yeah, it's going to change because one of the things he, – he sent us some information, and, and I will repeat, folks, and I apologize. Second hour of the show, Rick DeMaio will not be with us. He is laid up in bed. He, he got himself – he says he didn't sleep last night. He got some flu. Uh, or something. He came down with something, um, and it's it's just it's, it's just a shame. But he had sent us stuff about how the weather's going to change next week. But that takes us to the subject of roses. Uh, and 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 before we get into that, because uh, you you will actually have really good information for the folks in Chicago, Chris. Um, 
and uh, uh, tell us a little bit ab- about your background. They call you. Why do they call you the redneck Rosarian? Well, yeah, that sort of started about seven, seven or eight years ago, I think, when uh, I was really looking for a way that we could bridge the gap between uh, what some folks consider uh, horticultural societies being sort of snooty and off limits. <laughs> so, how do we bridge the gap, you know, between uh, that and what I call everyday people and bring those mm-hmm. folks together. And so I sort of took the, you know, the Alabama redneck mentality and said, all right, how do you, how do you take a redneck from Alabama like me and make them a world-class Rosarian? I, I get the, I get the sense, however, that you're not really a redneck, that you're actually uh, a little more sophisticated than you let on. Am I wrong? Well, if you met my family, <laughs> you would probably change your mind. You know, I, I grew up in a great big redneck family up around Nashville, and um, my mother's sister grew roses. They called her Big Faye after she was released from her confinement, and she grew roses on the driveway uh, in car tires. Uh, Seriously? You times, mean you mean literally on top of the driveway? In oh, car yeah. tires. In car tires. In, Car tires. And at various times, cars still attack. That's kind of redneck sounding. That is. That is, yeah. definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're getting there, you know. It's, it's kind of fun. And, and I'm going to mention it once, and then we're not going to mention it the entire conversation. I'm not going to talk to you about politics in Alabama. How's that, Chris? <laughs> hey, you know, I think that's a really good idea. I, think I, so I have too. some very strong opinions about that. I, I, I'm betting you do, and so do I. So I'm not even sure I want to compare them. Moving right along. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so um, it, the political climate here is just as crazy as the weather. Let me just tell you that. Now, is your is your weather crazy, or is it just ours? Well, you know, it's just very unpredictable. Uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it you know it got hot in April and stayed hot till October, November. And now we're, we're seeing just this variation in, in weather patterns uh, mm-hmm. where it'll get really cool for a few days mm-hmm. and uh, then it warms up again. And I know that's been happening up your way as yeah. well. So, yeah, it's uh, – uh, you know, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I used to tell people we have four days of winter uh, here in Alabama, <laughs> and it's not all four days in a row. So. And, and up here we used to tell people we had six months of winter. Um <laughs> And we don't get that anymore either. It's and it's, but the, as you say, it's unpredictable. And our meteorologist Rick DeMaio uh, calls it climate variability. This is the this is what he hangs his hat on, and I like that phrase because it it covers what we're dealing with here. Now the plants, of course, they're they're sort of at the mercy of the weather. And you mentioned roses, and it's interesting as a way, of, uh, and and you know you being the redneck rosarian and bridging the gap. I'm telling you, though, roses are what everybody grows. So you really you go to a garden club or something and you say you ask the people in the room, how many people grow roses? And every single hand is going to go up. Um, Oh, absolutely. And and in fact, (laughs) in fact, if you ask the people in the room, how many of you grow knockout roses? Just about every single hand goes up. Um, Now, I know that it's not necessary and I don't even know your opinion on the on that rose. But I'm just saying that. It's ubiquitous. And so a lot of people grow roses because it is a kind of common denominator in the garden, Mm -hmm. even though, for the most part, there are native roses in the United States, but mostly people don't grow them. Um, 
is so you're going to the plant you're going to bring in is is not going to be a native plant but folks don't care because they want their roses i mean if shakespeare's writing about it you want it in your garden right chris absolutely absolutely and you know it's our national flower uh, a lot of people don't realize that but the rose is our national floral emblem and uh you know in my mind that sort of puts the rose up there on the same pedestal as the flag and the american eagle and all <laughs> oh, the no. other symbols apple pie name. and uh a- a- absolutely and chevy's yeah. every yeah everybody should be growing a rose i think uh, uh, um you know that they're you know for years we've spent so much time in the rose world telling people you know all these complicated rules about how to grow a rose yeah and you know when it really comes down to it if you can dig a hole in your backyard you can grow a really pretty you know what? Nowadays, that is absolutely true. I'm not sure it used to be the case, uh, but certainly now, uh, with all the shrub roses we have that grow on their own rootstock, uh, where you, you, like you said, you you dig a hole, you slam them in the ground, you walk away and wait for the blooms uh, in oh, right. in the spring right. and early summer. Um, yeah, you know the industry's really changed. Uh, you know, the industry used to breed for form and for exhibition-type blooms, and, and now that has shifted dramatically into more uh, of roses that are, are fit for your garden. Just, you know, have a beautiful garden presence that, uh, that'll that bloom all the time. And, you know, we saw that first rose in the knockouts. Uh, Will Radler's introduction really changed the rose world, just uh, turned us on our ear. And you know what? He's he's rich because of it. I'm just saying. I'm just letting you know. So, Chris, you are you need yeah. to, you need need to invent something really popular like that if you want to make it in the biz. Uh, right, right. <laughs> so let's let's do something practical because we got a lot of folks listening. We're going to remind you we're on Facebook Live as well. You know that because you you logged in at the top of the show. Chris, uh, but uh, I'm reminding you of that, and I'm going to remind you that when we go to commercial break, we're still live on Facebook. It's one of the quirks. We but be we, careful what you say. We there. we had a we had a guest the other day who wrote us after the show, and he said, "You didn't tell me we were going to continue to be live during the breaks on Facebook." Oops. Okay. Yeah. So we let folks know that. Um, but he was fine. Was he, no he well, he did. He did. He didn't say anything untoward. So we're we're, we're not worried about that. Let's give uh, folks who are watching, listening, and watching on Facebook some practical advice right now because um, with this variable weather, this climate variability we're experiencing, the the crazy weather in Chicago and in Alabama, uh, is it possible right now? Because we're going to be sixty five tomorrow in Chicago. That's insane. All right. Um, and especially December 4th, uh, which by the way, was my mom's birthday. Just, uh, oh, wow. that's in honor of my mom. Um, and, uh, is there any danger because we've been in the fifties now, the last few days in Chicago are roses that were trying to go to sleep. That is to say, become dormant for the winter. Are they waking up and is that a problem and how do you deal with it? Well, you know, I, I really don't view that as being a problem. I just sort of let Mother Nature take her course uh, in the garden. And if it warms up and they start to put out a little growth, you might eventually get a bloom. Uh, I was out in the garden this morning and found a bloom uh, of a rose called Mardi Gras. And, uh, you know, it, just sort of a winter surprise, I guess you could call it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I really wouldn't do anything other than allow them to you know, if they set buds and you get a bloom, fine. If not, if they end up, you know, freezing at the next uh, cross or, you know, killing freeze that we have, just mm-hmm. allow that to occur. And 
you know, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of allowing nature to take its course and start. All right. Well, th- and that takes us to the second question, uh, and that is, if you're allowing nature to take its course, what are you doing or what are you not doing with uh, a shrub at this time of year if you've got a rose? Yeah. Well, uh, one thing I'm not doing, I'm not fertilizing anymore. Uh, you know, about six weeks prior to the first predicted frost, you know, wherever you are in the United States, you, you'll want to halt any sort of fertilizer that you're doing. That uh, sort of allows, you know, that process where things will begin to slow down a little bit. And uh, my garden is more of a show garden or an experimental type garden. So I'm, you know, I'm fertilizing every six weeks throughout mm-hmm. the growing season. So, yeah. uh, and, you know, it kind of hurts my feelings to have to stop at the end of the year because, you know, I'm, I'm somebody that wants to see the bloom. So. Well, well, you said in Alabama you get like four days of winter. Uh, seriously, what what is the situation there, and how it, it seems to me you you get a lot more growing season down there than we do. So when do you stop fertilizing? And when do you start again? Right, uh, we stop fertilizing about the end of September. Okay, um, we do a cutback in in. Well, I said the end of September. Really, probably the end of August. We, well, we that's, that's yeah, that's kind of the, that's kind of same up here mm-hmm. uh, in yeah, terms of fertilization. Yeah. No, you're not you don't want to put any fertilizer down by you know after the end of August. Right, right. So we we do that. We cut our roses back by half at the ah. end of, around the end of August and do that final fertilization. That gives us a fall flush of bloom. Okay. Well, what 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 they tell us here in Chicago though, and in the northern Midwest is. When you get to September, don't cut your roses at all. Don't do that because it's going to send out new growth, a flush of new growth, as you say, whereas in Alabama you'll get a bloom, but in Chicago you'll get a flush of new growth which might be zapped by cold weather. So up here, um, that's what I've heard. Do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. We we, we definitely discourage cutting, uh, you know, deadheading your blooms or doing any sort of hard pruning after that. Uh, one thing I do, though, is I do what they call a wind prune mm-hmm. in the fall and yes. winter. And that is uh, where when you have roses that are extremely tall, I have roses that grow, you know, seven, eight foot tall uh, during the growing season. And any of those, you know, can be damaged by the winds of winter. So we cut those back to about waist high to prevent what I call wind rock. It's where it'll actually rock the rose back and forth and can eventually damage the root system. And I've seen some rose die because of that. And and the other thing I will say, because I have a rose out front uh, uh, on my parkway with, uh, with, what was it that Benjamin Vogt called them? Death strips? What was it? Was that hell it? strips. Hell, hell, hell strips. strips. I've ne- I never heard the term hell strip until about two months ago. When we had Benjamin, really? yeah. When we had Benjamin, yeah. I I had always just heard Parkway. Yeah, yeah. I think it's probably a, a Chicago thing that we call it Parkway. Yeah, uh, I, I've yeah, never heard. Y'all that. are way too nice. <laughs> I guess we are. <laughs> I yeah, the hell hell strip, hell strip <laughs> seven thousand. Sunday, okay. Sunday, Sunday. Yeah, right. nitro right. burning we, we roses. Um, we actually do, uh, uh, you know, I, I chair of uh, our local beautification board here in the city of Helena, and we work uh, primarily with a series of hell strips all throughout our, our old town historic district hmm. and uh, have to find plants that are really resilient, uh, you know, are native perennials and, 
Oh my goodness, yes. Some of our earth kind roses, yeah. So that they'll thrive there. Yeah, that's uh that's always the challenge of a hell strip. Um or Parkway, or or, in, or as we say no, in Chicago, Parkway, parkway uh, is finding something that will survive. And so over the years, I have thrown so many different kinds of plants in there. And if they die, I go, oh, well, you didn't make it, huh? All right, well, uh, we'll try one that will survive, all right? Just keep, you know, I can't grow hostas to grow in front because there's not enough uh, water. And, I, and I'm not going to go out there and haul a hose across mm-hmm. the sidewalk just so I can water my Parkway. Um, so hostas, eh, if you make it great, if you don't, eh, I'll try something else. They're on else. their own. So, all right, we're talking to, uh, uh, Chris Van Cleve, who I inadvertently called Cliff earlier in the show, and I will never do that again. <laughs> we're not talking, <laughs> we're not talking about Alabama politics. We're talking about roses and whether you're in Alabama or Chicago or California, give us a call. If you have a question, 847-847. Four seven five fifteen ninety, and and after um, the break, I see any oh, Haven has joined us. After the break, we're going to be giving away some Haven brand select soil conditioner. Yes, you're working with Annie, uh, aren't you, Chris? Oh yeah, yeah. We we've launched a new line of, of soil conditioners uh, with Haven brand. That couldn't be happier about it. I've been well, using it in my garden for years. Well, I tell you what. When we come back, why don't we talk about that so folks can figure out uh, if that's something they want to use for their garden? And now's a chance to to get it for a friend or get it mm-hmm. for yourself, prepare for the spring and get ready to, to launch the new gardening season next year, um, fully armed. And uh, again, if anybody has a question about their roses, and I still have more, um, you know, oh, the reason I was mentioning the parkway before we go to break here is that you mentioned uh, roses can get very leggy and tall. And if they're in your hell strip, you don't want them whacking people in the winter when the winds whip. Uh, and so I do the same thing you do is I'll, I'll trim the the largest and longest uh, canes back so I don't get in any trouble. So people aren't, uh, <laughs> you know, suing me for getting hit Especially with. Especially when they're covered with ice and thwacking you. Yeah. All right. It's uh, the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki Rosarian. Chris Van Cleve is with us. We'll be right back. Chicagoans are looking for ways to get healthier in 2017. Hi, I'm Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakening, Chicago's greenest and healthiest local magazine. And if you want to reach this growing wellness market, you need to get your business in front of our 80,000 monthly readers. Why? Because our advertisers tell us our targeted readers are committed to improving their health and taking action. They're looking for holistic wellness practitioners, integrative doctors and dentists, nutritionists, health and lifestyle coaches, yoga classes, green landscapers, even home improvement and energy efficiency experts. Our dedicated readers pick up their free copies each month from more than 1,100 locations throughout the city and suburbs because they know it's the best source for information about healthy, green living in Chicago. Call me today at 847-858-3697 to learn more. That's 847-858-3697. And check us out at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good, live simply, laugh more. Hey, Ron Cowgill. Yes, Mike Novak. How would you like to drive the safest, quickest, and most capable sports utility vehicle in history? Legally? Of course legally. In fact, you would own it. Legally? Stop saying that. I'm talking about the Illinois Solar Energy Association, which is raffling off a 2017 Tesla Model X. You mean the one that comes standard, all-wheel drive, seating for up to seven adults, and up to 295 miles of range on a single charge? Yes. 
the one that can accelerate from 0 to 60 in 2.9 seconds? Yes, how did you know that? I'm reading the script. Oh, well then you probably know that only 2,500 tickets will be sold. They're 100 bucks each. You can purchase as many as you like, and the drawing is December 7th. Do I have to be present to win? Nope. Do I have to live in Illinois? Nope, just the lower 48 states. Is this the part where we read the disclaimer stuff really, really fast? Nah, this is where we tell people to get details at IllinoisSolar.org. You're good. Yeah. We've been known to sing this song, too. Not this way, though. No. It's like on the borderline of a Klez band. Uh, no, no, no. This is... No, the... I know, but it's like the beat. Oh, no. This is Mexicali right. brass. Yeah. This yeah. is like... No, it's, it's not. It's as Herb Alpert yeah. Had, yeah. had done the song. Yeah. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with uh, Peggy Malecki and uh, our friend uh, Chris Van Cleve is uh, on... The phone with us, we are talking roses here, believe it or not, in December, uh, and making sure you get the best, you give your rose the best treatment right now so it gets through the winter. But we want to give away something. I'm going to let you take over, Peggy. Tell us what what, what we're doing here. So Chris, has, as you said, Chris, you've partnered with Annie Haven and Haven Brand, and you've got a new line of soil conditioners. So you told me you guys would be happy to give away um, a couple of sample packs for people to try but they're gonna to have to work for it right they are they are got, i've got a good question for them this morning okay all right but before you give the question tell us about the soil conditioners of course annie haven uh let's give her a ding she's listening um uh has mupu tea and a, and a bunch of great stuff there and she's out in california and she listens to the show a lot and we really appreciate that and uh, i guess there's a- wh- what what kind of a arrangement have you do you have together well, we recently uh, uh, partnered up to launch Haven Brand Select for the Redneck Rosarian, and uh, it's it's a, a a branded line of soil conditioners, uh, and of course, like the, it, it includes the Mupu Tea, uh, and and you know I, I call it three different flavors. You can get uh, you know, <laughs> cow flavor. You, get cow, you can get the cow flavor. You can get my my personal favorite, which is horse. And, uh, <laughs> And then alfalfa. That would be the vegetarian version. That's the vegetarian version. And we're trying to carry, (laughs) uh, you know, cover everybody here. So, uh, but, you know, alfalfa does so much uh, for roses in the garden. Uh What what does alfalfa do? Well, you know, it helps to build organic matter in the soil. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's a good source of minerals, stimulates growth, uh, you know, helps uh, stimulates the compost process as well. So, and it'll give you very green, healthy looking tanks. Okay. So we, we brew up a, a batch of alfalfa tea a couple times a year and apply it to the garden. I'll have some fantastic results there. And uh, folks want more information, you know, they can find out about Authentic Haven brand, natural brew, soil conditioner tea, uh, by going to ahavenbrand.com. I, you know, and, and it's the first time I ever realized there was an A in front of it. That's I'm looking at it on the huh. – that is correct, right, Annie? ahavenbrand.com yep. that's what it says on my authentic uh, haven yeah oh that's that's would be the a, a haven. the auth it stands for authentic uh, all right so 
Chris, uh, how are we going to give away uh, this this packet of uh, conditioner? Well, I have a question for the audience to see if we can stump them this morning. Uh, 1867 in France was a, a pivotal year for roses. Uh, they introduced the very first hybrid tea rose. And I want to see if anyone can name that rose. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And I'll tell you what, folks, feel free to use your computers. I don't care. You don't have to have this off the top of your head. 847-475-1590. you got to call. Eight, uh, although, will we give it to somebody if they get it quickly? Well, and... we have All right, we, we have a couple we can give away. We've... So one right, on Facebook, so one has to call. If if uh, if you do it on Facebook, we'll uh, see. Once it's on Facebook, though, everybody sees it. But if you want to call, that's great. Or if you want to go to Facebook and, and give us your answer, the first one we see pop up. Or even Twitter, at Mike Now. If you uh, do that, Um, and uh, the first hybrid tea rose, 1867 in France, what was its name? 847-475-1590 or Facebook or Twitter. Okay, while folks are doing that, Chris, um, we've gotten to the point where we said, you know, at this point, you said let nature take its course except for the few... Uh, Rose Cane's whipping in the breeze mm-hmm. there. You're basically going to leave the plant alone as it goes into winter, right? That's right. That's right. You know, we really want the roses to, to you know, finish their process. You know, roses, their goal is to set fruit. Uh, you know, those mm-hmm. rose hips. Yes, yes. Uh, that form. And, you know, we really want that to happen in the garden. That helps to for the plant to actually shut down for the season. Mm-hmm. And those hips. You know, once they ripen, that's a great source of vitamin C for, for birds and, you know, the wildlife, of course. I got to tell you a story about rose hips. All right. I was visiting a friend of mine, and I, and I went to the East Coast. I had to drive a car back, actually, believe it or not, from the East Coast to Chicago. So we go out to the East Coast, and we're right on the Atlantic Ocean off of Cape Cod, somewhere in that area, uh, Massachusetts. And... There was this beautiful estate, um, and they had a lot of Rigosa roses there. They were everywhere growing Rigosa roses. And the rose hips on the Rigosas were the size of golf balls. I mean, wow. they, they, were, they were huge. So, in honor of that, I'm standing on the Atlantic Ocean with a golf club. I think it was a five iron. <laughs> And I would put the rose hips on the ground and whack them into the ocean. It was it, it was a lot of fun. Oh. <laughs> so that's rose hip golf. It was rose hip golf. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had never played rose hip golf before, but you know, I wasn't running out of rose hips, and the no. and and the birds weren't either. They were all over the place. It was just amazing. And and yeah, you know, uh, I think a lot of folks try to prune that out of there, and they go, "How do I get rid of this?" Um, on their rose uh, roses, but the roses want to do that, as you said. They they want to make the rose hips right, and they're beautiful over the winter, aren't they? Oh, they are. They are, and you know you can use rose hips to make a variety of their cookbook published. Yeah, uh, yeah. What you can do with rose hips, very you know, rose hip teas. Um, okay. Oh, we've got we've got an answer. Let's kick Izzy on the phone line. Let's uh, let's go to John in Burbank. John, good morning. You're yes, hi. Morning. Whoa. Whoa. Yes. <laughs> I'm gonna say right, I'm we're... gonna say La France. Wow, that's absolutely right. There Ooh. you go, John. 
Congratulations. Did, did, now, I got to ask you, John, did you know that or did you have to look it up? I looked it up. That's, <laughs> oh, that's okay. That's, <laughs> the question hit me kind of vaguely, and I just thought about it for a minute. I'm like, I came across this somewhere, but I don't know where. Yes. All right. Well, you are getting, what's it, What's he getting there, Chris Van Cleve? Well, he's going to get a nine-pack, a sampler pack of Haven Brand Select for the Redneck Rosarian Manure Tea. Nine-pack. So you'll be able to do a lot with this. So what you need to do is give Randall your uh, information, uh, uh, address, and phone number. and Email. and, and email, and we will stalk you later and uh, make make sure that you get. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, well, All righty. Thanks, you guys. I'm glad you're listening. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Hang on there, uh, John. All right. All right. What about rose cones? Yes. Let's get to rose cones. Uh, <laughs> Chris, Not rose canes, but rose cones. Rose cones, because a lot of folks, like, they think that the only way to protect a rose in the winter is to put a, 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 a cone, and they're often made of... Uh, well, they can be made. It used to be styrofoam. It used to be styrofoam, right? Um, what do you think about that, Chris? Well, I'm not a fan of them, and and I'll I'll tell you a couple of reasons why. Number one, they're not very pretty in the garden. Uh, <laughs> no, they look they look like I, mu- get out of sharpie. They look like faces. M- mutant gnomes is what they look like. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I really don't. I, I, you know, I'm a believer that that roses are very resilient plants. You know, they've been on the earth for centuries, uh, and it's only been the last hundred years or so that we've been picking off. Uh, so, you know, trying to crossbreed them and, and uh, everything. So, you know, I, I believe that they'll survive on their own for the most part. Now, if I'm going to protect a rose in the winter, I might, in Alabama, I, I might just scoop a little extra mulch around the, the base of the plant. Now, a little further north, you know, you could you could even do something as uh, we've done this: put these uh, small, like tomato cages, around the roses, and then kind of fill them with uh, uh, to help bunch up some some additional mulch or even leaves from the garden. Uh, but I don't I don't go into any extreme measures. Uh, it's survival of the fittest in the garden. <laughs> I've got with, many northern yeah. rosarians who do the exact same thing. And and this guy right here, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. My feeling is, hey, dude. If you make it, great. If you don't, you weren't you weren't right for my yard, okay? And I'm going to get another plant. Yeah. Well, we did see those new rose cones this week. Um, yeah, we did. That were like a paper-based. Yeah, a, a friend of ours, we visited. He showed us his deck. Now, he's up. This might be a little different. He's up on like the fourth or fifth yeah. floor. Um, and he has his outdoor deck and in, in very exposed in Chicago. And if it gets really cold... There's a, not a lot that's going to survive up there, and he uses rose cones, and he uses the paper. They look like paper mache, uh, and he's got holes in them so they can vent. Um, I can see where you might do that, but I, I have to admit that even on a on an on exposed deck, I would probably leave the roses to their own devices. But uh, do you ever see a use for a rose cone, Chris? No. I, I, I <laughs> well, maybe you... for saving a parking space. Yeah. There you go. Right. Hey, yeah, yeah. Are, are, would they fit around a little dog's head? You know those little cones of shame that they put around dog's head? Yeah. Oh, my God. No. They, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, a little boy. different structure there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're going to break here. Uh, Chris, can you hang on for, for one more segment? Is that okay? Oh, sure. Be glad to. Okay, because I still got more questions about 
what we're doing uh, with our roses uh, coming up into. And you've got a tour, the uh, Rose King Sustainability Tour that we need to talk about. I, I need to, you know, that's that's why you're on the show, so you can plug stuff like that. Uh, but uh, one of the things I want to get to real quick is uh, the idea of cleaning up around a rose. Um, and you do that to, to ward off fungal diseases a lot, don't you? Yes. Yeah, we sure do. So um, uh, w- uh, give me 30 seconds on that, and then we'll continue that when we come back. Okay. Sounds uh, – yeah, we keep our garden beds just almost pristine clean, and I'll tell you why we do that. We do that because uh, disease breeds. Uh, on diseased leaves. So once they fall to the ground, they spread throughout the garden and we keep them, we try to keep them as clean as possible. A lot of debris will, will blow into your garden uh, during the growing season and we try to keep that out as well because that can be also a harbinger. Okay. All right. That is Chris Van Cleve, the redneck rosarian. Again, welcome to give us a question. No matter how you're listening to the show, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki and we will be right back. Are you ready to take your holiday giving to a new level? Get involved with the Give Healthy movement. Here's how it works. You visit the webpage of the drive you want to support. Pick out the food items you want to buy. They'll deliver them for you once the drive is over. You get a tax receipt. Folks get healthy food. Boom, done. They'll also work with your organization or food drive. Go to ampyourgood.org or givehealthy.org for details. Let's face it, sometimes we overdo physical activity. That's when to give Dr. Bonnie Flaster a call. Dr. Flaster is a chiropractor who treats back and neck pain, but addresses foot, knee, shoulder, and wrist pain too, all with gentle, non-force adjustments. And she'll talk to you about your problems and work with you to devise the best treatment strategy. Find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. You can now enjoy local food all season long at Winter Farmers Markets, hosted by many different Chicagoland houses of worship on select Saturdays and Sundays from now through April. Your purchase of local, sustainably produced food helps support regional farmers. The markets are organized by Faith in Place, a nonprofit which inspires people of diverse faiths to care for the earth through education, connection, and advocacy. For a market schedule and to learn more, go to faithinplace.org. Hi, meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Bringing a lot of social science into climate change is really important. People who teach climate change now, you have to really get into how it's affecting people, how it's affecting the ability for people to cope, how it's affecting the ability of people to adapt or to mitigate. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate and how it might be affecting you, your lives, and your garden. On WCGO 1590, Chicago Smart Talk. This is your talk. Do you read me? On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Come on, is anybody even out there? Places that you wanted to go, you somewhere don't know. So 
Okay. Got that out of your system. I got that. I had to get that out of my system. Hey, there are a couple of garden sayings that you'll want to remember. Do say. Yes. One, a clean tool is a safe tool. And the second saying you want to remember is a dirty tool is Mike's tool. Actually, uh, you're not going to find the second saying in the November-December issue of Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, but you will find an article by Jeff Rugg about how to spend a little time when the weather is cold to get your tools in tip-top shape. Here are two hints on how to do that. An oil can, a oil oil can. can. and WD-40. I'll bet Ron Cowgill from Mighty House could have told you that. Uh, he might even be able to tell you that it's not safe to operate heavy machinery while reading my column on the inside <laughs> back page. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state state gardening magazines. Go to chicagolandgardening.com. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, do you have a state-by-state state in Alabama, Chris? Yeah, yeah, we have state-by-state state magazine here. It's a great publication. There you go. Uh, you can go to uh, statebystategardening.com if you're in Alabama or if you're in Illinois or if you're in Wisconsin or Michigan or Ohio. Uh, or you can call them at 888-265-3600, 888-265-3600. Okay. a good gift subscription. Too. Exactly. So when uh, we left, we were talking about diseases and how you protect your plants from diseases and one of the ways you do that, especially with roses, because not all plants require this kind of a treatment. Uh, but roses, unfortunately, tend to get fungal diseases, depending on the rose, too, because a lot of them, like the reason the knockout was bred is is to resist those kinds of uh, issues, those diseases, and they do it very well. Uh, but if you do have a rose that's it's prone to black spot and other things, yeah, you want to clean up the stuff around the base of the plant. Um, and the same thing actually applies uh, to crab apples, especially if you've got a crab apple, an old variety. Folks always say, yeah, my grandmother planted uh, that tree. And I say, yeah, your grandmother had bad taste <laughs> in crab apples, okay, because it gets <laughs> it gets fungal scab all the time. And, you know, with all the new kinds of uh crabs they've got out there uh you could plant one and in five years you they grow so fast that you will wonder why it took you so long to replace the old one that mm -hmm. gets apple scab every year um does the same thing apply to roses uh chris i mean do you do you feel like if you got a rose that's getting fungal diseases every year you should rip it out and get something different what, what you, I, I assume you always try to to, to bring it back to health, but for the average gardener, what do you think? Yeah, well, you, you know, I, I think that you ought to give roses a chance in the garden, and, you know, typically as a plant gets established, and, and most, you know, large shrubs like roses that take a couple of years to get established, so uh, I'd give that, I'd give a rose three years in your garden, and I had some English roses uh, not too long ago, about five years ago, that I planted, and the second year I almost dug them up because they were just covered in disease. And a friend of mine, a Rosarian friend of mine, said, uh, "Give them another year." Mm -hmm. And uh, I followed that advice, and the next year they were a lot stronger, a lot healthier, and now they're monster shrubs, <laughs> wow. have, uh, tons of blooms. And you know, we don't we don't apply any sprays or chemicals in our garden anymore. So, oh, uh, you yeah, know, I, I'm looking. Yeah for the most resilient plants available. I want to talk about that before we get to your, your tour coming up. Um, you're, and, and I'm so glad to hear this. It's one of the reasons I've got you on the show uh, is that you are not a fan of 
crazy chemical use in the garden. Tell me about that a little bit. Well, you know, I, I think that we have uh, probably for purposes of, of marketing and, uh, you know, for chemical companies that, that we want to tell people that you must apply chemicals to your garden in order to have a beautiful landscape. And, you know, advances in hybridization uh, have come a long way in the last five or mm-hmm. ten years. And we're, we've, we've got roses now that you can just plant and they'll be beautiful and you don't even have to worry about the disease. Just give them a haircut and some fertilizer and you're good to go. And, uh, you know, we, we just don't need to add that sort of chemical intervention when it's not necessary in the garden. It's too harmful to the earth and too harmful to, uh, you know, our winged and feathered friends uh, that visit our gardens. Uh, you know, we don't want to, to create a toxic environment for anyone. And no. I know, you know, as a member of the American Rose Society, we are uh, slowly but surely waking up to that idea uh, within our organization mm-hmm. that, uh, that roses uh, don't need all that chemical intervention. Oh, my goodness. Now, if you're going to exhibit roses, yeah. if that is your goal and your aim to be a you know world-class exhibitor, then you're going to have to apply some chemicals to your garden to get that perfection. But for you know the other 10, 20 million of us that, that grow roses in the United States, that's not necessary. So my advice to you is do not be a rose exhibitor because you'll have to use those chemicals. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Now, tell me about uh, your, your tour coming up. Um, with uh, Brian Puckett, uh, what is you know? And when I see the, the what you guys call your tour, the Rose King Sustainability Tour, I think it's uh, it sounds like a softball team, but uh, that's <laughs> that's not what we're doing here. What's the Rose King Sustainability Tour? Well, you know, it's it's really a, a national effort to sort of awaken the country to the fact that roses can be grown sustainably right in your own backyard. Uh, you know, Brian is the curator of uh, the very first municipal rose trial in the United States that's testing earthkind roses. Uh, we entered into a partnership with Texas A&M earlier this year and planted, I think, 74 cultivars that we are testing now for the next three years to check out sustainability on those. They receive no water, no fertilizer. We don't trim or cut them in any way. We basically plant them and observe them for three years. And, mm-hmm. and we're reporting those results back for the next generation of, of earthkind roses. So this tour is an effort really to educate the public on how easy it is to grow roses today. And you can find out about this. Just go to redneckrosarian.com. Um, slash Rose King's tour, but if they go to the homepage, they'll probably uh, see that there. Uh, and of course, uh, folks can always go there to get more information uh, about. Uh, are we going to see you, by the way, at the Chicago Fl- Flower and Garden Show this year or this next year? You sure will. Uh, Brian and I both will be there uh, uh, Saturday and Sunday. I believe that's March seventeenth and eighteenth. Mm-hmm. We'll be on the gardening live stage on the seventeenth, and then cool. we'll be doing a seminar on the eighteenth. We are super excited. Uh, to be back in Chicago. Well, here's what we're going to do. We don't know exactly which day we're going to be broadcasting from because either we're going to do it live during this show or it's possibility we'll go in there Saturday and just do a bunch of Facebook Lives uh, one way or the other. But regardless, we will grab you guys and uh, bring you on the show again Mm -hmm. because that's the time of the year when folks are going to be getting all excited about uh, stuff popping. And, you know, in March it'll be 85 in uh, (laughs) In Chicago. And about and, 60 in Navy Pier. And about 60 degrees at Navy. Yeah, it's, it's very different at Navy Pier. 
you know, with the, as we said, climate variability. So watch out. Any other uh, last minute uh, suggestions? Because we, we got like you got ten seconds. What do you got for us, uh, Chris? Uh, ten seconds. If if you'd like more information about growing roses in the United States, rose.org is a great resource. It's the homepage of the American Rose Society. There you'll find local information about growing roses. Well, that's uh, and if. That's that's great. We're uh, so glad to have you on the show, uh, Chris, and uh, we will uh, talk to you uh, the next time. Probably see you in the spring. Guys, it's been fun. Thanks so much. All right. Fabulous. Uh, Take care. Have a great Sunday and enjoy the crazy weather. Thanks, Chris. Second hour of the Mike Novak Show coming up. And uh, speaking of chemicals, uh, we're going to be talking about glyphosate, which is the main ingredient in Roundup. With Carrie Gillum, author of Whitewash, the story of a weed killer cancer and the corruption of science. We'll be right back. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, be more specific. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Of course. Attack of the Killer Asparagus is required reading at Starfleet Academy. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Gwynok of Ninglador. Captain, shields are failing. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. Captain, it seems to be available online at aroundtheblockpress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener, taking all our self-delusions, mishaps, and confusions, and playing them for big laughs. That's not very helpful, Mr. Data. No, it is, however, highly accurate. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Call us with your questions and comments at 847-475-1590. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Whenever my head starts to hurt, before it goes from bad to feeling worse, I turn off my phone, I get down low, and put my hands in the dirt. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, If you're not in Chicago, uh, it's a ridiculous day. It's sunny and warm. Um, And we just uh, popped back on to Facebook Live, so you're welcome to join us there. And you can see us. uh, Wait, do I need to do the hat thing? Yes, you need to do the hat thing. One more hat thing. thing. Because after the show, I am running off to... uh, you become a robin. I, be, I become a frozen robin. You know, and people say, well, what does that have to do with uh, your work on the radio and environmental stuff? Um, nothing. Nothing at all. It's like, it's how I make cash. It's how I make, it's how I pay uh, the mortgage sometimes and my place on the planet. So, because I don't make any money in radio, that's for sure. Uh, so there you go. Uh, and we even have three people watching uh, live on. Good morning. And there'll be more in a second. So. Hat's gone. Let's go back to uh, the uh, serious stuff, and uh, let's uh, bring in our guest, uh, who is uh, Carrie Gillum, uh, who is the author of Whitewash, the story of a weed killer, cancer, and the corruption of science. Carrie, good morning. 
Good morning. Uh, you can't tell, but uh, what, what we got to do here, Peggy, both of us put these up here and look at all the tabs that we have in our book um, so you can see that uh, we've got notes here. <laughs> we, 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 so I'm in trouble, right? Yeah. You, no, yeah. Uh, and you just got back from Chicago, didn't you? I did. I got back last night. Yeah, I wish I could have stayed. Yeah, what's that studio? all about? Next time you're gonna <laughs> you gotta come in, into the studio in person. And you know, I find that yeah. all the, it happens to me all the time. People say, "Oh, I'm flying out on Saturday." Well, fly out on Sunday. Stick around for another twenty four. Um, yeah, I, I've got three kids. You know, yeah, so you're entitled. <laughs> I gotta get back. Yeah, I guess so. Um, and uh, Carrie uh, is, uh, has been around a while. You are a, a journalist. You've worked for Reuters. you worked for Reuters, what, 17 years? Is that right? 17 years, yes. Yeah, and uh, at some point in uh, your term, you were a senior correspondent for Reuters. Um, and uh, you've uh, uh, also, I'm looking here on my, my cheat sheet. Uh, what are some of the other, uh, the, you're with the, what's the journalists uh, group? Uh, you're with oh NAAJ or SEJ a few of them yeah yeah environmental journalist environmental, environmental journalist. Yeah. yeah so you're basically an environmental journalist and uh, which is uh, what led you to to write this book but mainly because you'd been reporting on things in the agricultural world for a long long time what what was the critical mass that made you think that you you had to write this book well, that's true. I mean, I've been doing this for so long. Uh, I've, I've been a journalist, actually, for more than 25 years. Most of my career was spent at Reuters. And for Reuters, uh, I was assigned to cover food and agriculture. Mm -hmm. So in 1998, I started writing about farming and food and, you know, how we grow stuff and who the major companies were influencing our food production system. And, of course, that meant Monsanto because they had just rolled out genetically engineered crops and mm -hmm. they were selling glyphosate and Roundup. Uh, so it was my job to learn everything I could about this company and about the products that was selling and the science behind them. And, you know, 20 years later, mm -hmm. <laughs> or almost 20 years later, I have a lot of information to share, and, and I thought it was really important, obviously, with the controversy over Roundup and the safety and the environmental impacts. You know, it was important to get it all put together in a book that, that was easy for people to read and understand, I thought. And, and it is, and, and that's one of the, the great things about this. And we'll, and we'll get into it later because, <laughs> uh, believe it or not, part of the knock on you is that you're not a scientist, okay? And some people have said... <laughs> You know that. Well, you know, well, well, who do you want to write your books for you? I don't want scientists writing my books. I want I want people who I want people who can tell a story. Yeah, especially uh, right. a book to educate everybody. Yeah, there are there are people out there who would say that nobody but science uh, scientists are ever able to report on anything. Uh, well, that's not true. That's why mm -hmm. we have journalists because journalists are the people who synthesize that information, right. uh, and that's what you've done, and you've. And, and I'm going to tell folks, uh, if you've ever had questions about Roundup, uh, if you've ever had, you know, and, and, and we're going to use the word glyphosate a lot today, that's Roundup. Okay, folks. And um, there's, um, uh, it's, it's, it's the active ingredient in Roundup, but as we're going to find out, there's a lot of other things that can go <laughs> into Roundup and it, it changes that. But glyphosate is, is the chemical that was introduced, uh, in uh, the seventies and was sort of a miracle chemical because it could kill things and the not, and, and, and actually the good word on it, not the knock, but the opposite was that 
it didn't persist in the soil and and you didn't have to till uh you didn't have to till there was it was uh for a weed killer it was supposed to be fairly benign and so uh the the word got out and then as as we're going to find out uh from our conversation with Carrie Gillum the uh, the use of it has exploded uh not just in the United States mm-hmm. but all over the planet and that folks is part of the problem and we'll talk about the very important vote that just happened in the eu this week yeah we this is our our, our short segment and carrie we just wanted to uh, introduce you we're we're going to take a break uh and then come back and, and and get into detail it's called whitewash the story of a weed killer cancer and the corruption of science uh if you've ever had an interest in Roundup and in glyphosate and in Monsanto, I'm going to tell you, stick around for a few minutes. This is going to be really, really interesting. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and we'll be right back. You can now enjoy local food all season long at Winter Farmers Markets, hosted by many different Chicagoland houses of worship on select Saturdays and Sundays from now through April. Your purchase of local, sustainably produced food helps support regional farmers. The markets are organized by Faith in Place, a nonprofit which inspires people of diverse faiths to care for the earth through education, connection, and advocacy. For a market schedule and to learn more, go to faithinplace.org. A good day's gardening can sometimes be a bad day for your muscles and joints. Dr. Bonnie Flaster is a chiropractor who uses gentle, non-force adjustments to relieve pain. With 29 years of experience, she relies on a variety of treatments, including low-level laser, acupuncture, and gentle chiropractic. Visit her at River North Wellness Center and find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. Here's the bad news. One out of every six Americans doesn't know where their next meal will come from. What's the good news? You can help. This year, instead of decorating your holiday table with flowers, use an arrangement of fresh, uncut fruits and veggies, which can be donated to a local food pantry. Share a photo of your centerpiece with the hashtag AmpleCenterpiece, and you could win a $50 gift certificate to Gardner Supply Company. Go to ampleharvest.org slash holiday to learn more. Everybody dance, all skate. Oh, I keep forgetting that uh, Peggy <laughs> used to actually do that. Well, for folks who don't know about uh, Peggy's sordid past, she, uh, how long did you do competitive skating? Oh, just through high school. Oh, that's a long time anyway. Then the ice got too hard. Yeah, it does. I know. You don't bounce anymore by that point. <laughs> when you're little, when you're six, you bounce, and then you don't. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with uh, Peggy Molecki. We're, we're very, very pleased uh, to have Carrie Gillum on the program with us. She is the author of Whitewash the Story of a Weed Killer, Cancer, and the Corruption of Science. And in case you didn't figure it out, that's about Monsanto and their most famous product. But, I mean, let's, let's start with that, Carrie. It's just used everywhere on this planet isn't it yeah i mean it definitely is we i make the point in the book it's it's pervasive in our world today it's used not only by farmers you know in food production 
but it's used by golf course operators. It's used by parks and, and cities, you know, in areas where your children play. It's used in forestry management. It's used by utilities and, and right-of-way areas. Uh, you know, this is the most widely used, you know, agrochemical in the history of the world. Uh, it's everywhere. It's in our food. It's in our water. Uh, it's in our own bodies. It's and in us. Urine I, tested. Yeah. You'll find it in your urine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and 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 more and more of those studies are being done, and that always makes uh, it not only makes us nervous when we find out that we have uh, glyphosate uh, in our in our urine, um, but it makes Monsanto nervous. It makes all kinds of people, it makes governments nervous uh, when mm-hmm. you do that. Right. You mentioned uh, how ubiquitous it is. Uh, this is from your book, uh, and this is stunning uh, that uh, even U.S. grown almonds. A common snack for health-conscious people are treated annually on average with an estimated 2.1 million pounds of glyphosate. Likewise, producers of cherries use an estimated 200,000 pounds of the pesticide annually, according to the EPA's analysis. About 3.2 million pounds are used annually for production of oranges, 1.5 million pounds for grapes, 600,000 pounds for walnuts, 400,000 pounds for pecans, 200,000 pounds for lemons, 100,000 pounds for oats, and 80,000 pounds for avocados. And that's not even looking at corn and soybeans. Exactly. Right. That, you know, that's you're right. And that's and and the whole the main thing was corn and soybeans. That's where it all started. Uh, can you? I, I don't. I, and this is. I, I don't want to. Well, you 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 write about it in the book, and it takes you chapters. But can you give us a, a quick history of the development of this and how this became such a, a prominent weed killer? Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely try to be quick, but right, Monsanto introduced it in 1974, and it was seen as, you know, a revolutionary weed killer, a revolutionary new product uh, that was coming to market. It was supposed to be so much safer than other herbicides that were out there, non-selective, could kill a a wide array of weeds very quickly, uh, very effectively. You've probably used it. I used to use it in my yard. I mean, it's, you know, it was a great thing, and and then Monsanto introduced genetically engineered crops, corn and soy and others, that farmers could spray directly over their, their crops. And the crops wouldn't die, but the weeds would. Farmers loved it. And glyphosate Roundup use shot up. You know, we went from about 40 million pounds to about 300 million pounds wow. over the last 20 years. Um, you know, it was seen as, as, as I said, as, as a, a miracle almost for food production and agriculture. And farmers are using it, as you made clear, not just with genetically engineered crops, but in an array of other um, crops that we commonly consume, and particularly in oats and wheat, um, which are not genetically engineered, but Monsanto has encouraged farmers to use it to dry them out before Mm -hmm. harvest, to desiccate them. So we have residues uh, of this weed killer in oatmeal products, you know, baby oatmeal. It's been found by the FDA in baby food um, and in bread products and and so, some of that has to do with the way they apply it, too. Exactly. That's right before harvest, uh, you're going to have higher residues. But found in flour, uh, it's, it's <laughs> as I said, and if you ate breakfast this morning, you probably ate a little bit of weed killer in your meal. Uh, I, and again, from your book, 
Uh, testing by both private and public researchers has shown glyphosate residues not only in bagels, honey, and oatmeal, but also in a wide array of products that commonly line grocery store shelves, including flour, eggs, cookies, cereal and cereal bars, soy sauce, beer, and infant formula, as you just mentioned. Indeed, glyphosate residues are so pervasive that, as we mentioned also, they've been found in human urine, and and not just once or twice. Uh, Right. So uh, that continues. Now, something you mentioned I don't want to let slide by because I don't think folks understand this, uh, that not only is is glyphosate, uh, and in a second I want to get to the difference between glyphosate and Roundup, uh, but not only is it used to kill weeds around uh, crops, uh, throughout the world, but it's also used, as you mentioned, on crops to help them right. dry out. Could you explain that, please? Yeah. So genetically engineered crops, as I said, like wheat, or I'm sorry, corn and, and soy and canola, sugar beets, they can be sprayed directly with it throughout the grow, growing season and they won't die. Uh, crops like oats and wheat that are not genetically engineered while they're growing, if they were sprayed, they would die just like the weeds would. But once the, the grain is mature and they're effectively done growing and farmers want to harvest them, Monsanto has marketing materials and encouraged farmers to, hey, you know what? You could dry this out and you want to harvest it. You don't have to wait. Spray it with glyphosate and it will dry out very quickly and you can harvest more quickly, more efficiently. Uh, and farmers have been doing that. Oat production in Canada uh, in particular, the farmers have loved it and, and embraced it. And that's you know why we see these residues of this weed killer at fairly high levels in oat products. Now, the concern of these residues has prompted food companies to start taking a look at this uh, and grain handlers to take a look at this. And they're starting to push back. They're starting to say, this is a pretty bad idea. And some of them are telling farmers, you know what, we're not going to take your grain if you're going to do this mm-hmm. anymore. Um, you know, so... As I said, people, as they become more aware of what this is and and the results, they're pushing back on it uh, a little bit. But it's still not widely known. Yeah, and I I think some people would be surprised because they would say, well, my wheat and oats, are those are non-GMO crops. And the reason I buy them is they're non-GMO, but it's quite possible that they've been sprayed with Roundup Mm -hmm. anyway to help harvest Helping the harvest right. of them. Yeah. Uh, or maybe it's drifted over from the neighbors. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it seems to me, you know, we talk about labeling, and I know that the the uh, companies like Monsanto, uh, they're so opposed to GMO labeling, um, it, it, but it would seem fair to me in the marketplace to have a label that says this crop was not sprayed with glyphosate in the harvest or something like that. I mean, that aside from the whole GMO question, um, I think folks have a right to know whether that was sprayed. But that gets us to the question of, is it safe? Uh, and and that's uh, a lot of the book that uh, Carrie Gillum writes, Whitewash, the story of a weed killer cancer and the corruption of science. Let's talk about the safety of glyphosate. First, explain the difference between glyphosate and Roundup. Well, and glyphosate is an ingredient. Uh, you know, it's, right. it's mm-hmm. the active ingredient in Roundup. It's also the active ingredient now that Monsanto's uh, patent has expired. 
It's yeah. the active ingredient in many other products, not just Roundup. Many other weed-killing products sold by many companies. Monsanto remains a dominant player, though, and Roundup remains the dominant herbicide. Uh, and it is mixed, essentially, with other um, chemicals and other agents, uh, surfactants. POEA is one that was particularly worrisome and has been banned in Europe, and Monsanto has been having to move to take it out of Roundup because it's been shown that it can be more toxic than glyphosate. And if you combine glyphosate with these mm-hmm. surfactants and these other ingredients, they're shown to be very dangerous in some published research. That and, is out there. and these other ingredients are helping it to be applied, helping it to stick, to right. be absorbed. You know, absorb to stick to the leaves, et cetera. I, I, almost a decade ago, I was doing a garden talk and doing some research on Roundup. And even at the time, I you know was ta- telling people about Roundup, and I said, mm-hmm. "Hey, folks, when you buy Roundup, are you just getting glyphosate? Are you just you know do you know what you're getting? Do you realize that there's eight different formulations or thereabouts? Uh, you know that that number changes right. and, and and varies from time to time. Different formulations that you can walk into a store and buy. Do you ever pick up the bottle and look at the the label? Do you read?" the active ingredient and the other ingredients in there because it's not just glyphosate. And that was the point I was making when I said, what's the difference between glyphosate and Roundup? Yeah, glyphosate's the active ingredient, but as you mentioned there, they put other things into Roundup and other right. co- and other companies put different things in with their glyphosate as well. So um, Right, and the problem with all of that is that the EPA has not required extensive long-term testing on these formulations. Right. We call them formulations or formulated products. They require a, a certain degree of testing on the active ingredient, but not on this this product that's actually sold, that we're actually using. Uh, and, that, and that's a real problem, and it's something that the EPA is aware of, and, you know, there's a lot of talk about trying to change that. But it does seem, you know, outrageous, right, to so many people. It is outrageous. Yeah, and, and you know, it's it's that combined with every other formulation that we're exposed to. And right. All right. Here, here's here's what I, I again and 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 this is I'm so glad I read this book because I've been waiting for this book for a long time. <laughs> um, I didn't know you were going to be the person to write it, but it sort of it really outlines what the issues are. And this is a key issue: the fact that the EPA, when it does its tests, tests for a chemical, an active ingredient, but doesn't test for how it interacts with other ingredients. And this has been going on for a long, long time. So again, and let me use the uh, the analogy I use if, I, if I'm at a garden club. I say to the folks, okay, you folks in the room take medications. Um, you never worry about those interacting with other medications, do you? You know, and everybody goes, ooh, you know, yeah, that's right. You have to pay attention to what you're taking and what your doctor prescribes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes your doctor doesn't get yeah. it right, and you need to be figuring this out. Or because, what other supplements you're taking and other things you're Because you could end up dead, all right? So here we are, the EPA, uh, and it will it will examine what glyphosate does but not the other chemicals it interacts with. And this is a huge flaw in our system. And we have, and I was talking about it a decade ago, and it's been going on for a, much longer than that. And I cannot believe, Carrie, that this has not been addressed yet. Well, that's true. And if you want to become even more concerned, you have to realize the fact that the government also, you know, it's not just glyphosate or Roundup mm-hmm. weed killer in your food. We have hundreds of different pesticides 
residues of which are commonly found in our food. Chlorpyrifos is one of right. the top chemicals that is found in our food routinely, and this has been shown in study after study to have neurodevelopmental problems um, in, for children to create neurodevelopmental problems in infants, both before their uh, babies before they're born and in uh, their very young stages. And, and this is used in our food crops as well. So we're when we eat a meal, we are consuming trace residues of sometimes, you know, dozens, hundreds over the course of, you know, several meals, different types of fungicides, insecticides, weed killers. I write about glyphosate as the poster child, really, mm-hmm. for a much larger problem of pervasive pesticide yes. Dicamba. Dike, yeah, we got round, we're going to have Roundup Ready yeah. Dicamba. Oh, boy, what could possibly go right. wrong? How about mixing glyphosate and 2,4-D, which is the half of Agent Orange? Oh, yeah, what could possibly go wrong? So right. why is this... Why is this happening? Why is well, it so slow to get any change? My research has shown over the years that really we there's a corporate capture of our regulatory system. We've lost all sense of balance. We've lost all sense of weighing risks versus rewards. And we're just the corporate chemical companies say, hey, you know, this is great. We want to sell a lot of it. Let's push this forward. And, and that's what we've seen. That's what we've seen with glyphosate. That's why we've gone from 40 million pounds to 300 million pounds. Mm-hmm. We've had virtually no checks on the system, no balance whatsoever. And this overuse is where we are today with environmental damage, soil degradation, weed resistance, which is creating this combinations now. Let's use more and more glyphosate. Let's combine it with dicamba. Let's combine it with 2,4-D. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in all of the food we're eating. It's in our drinking water. It's in our urine. You know, we've lost our minds a little bit with this. And I'm hoping the book will wake people up to the fact that we need to pay attention. We need to look at our health. We need to be concerned about the future and, you know, make responsible choices and hold our policymakers to account. Mm-hmm. Uh, to make responsible choices. Uh, before we go to the break, we want to give away a copy of this book because I think a number of folks are going to be interested in it. It's called Whitewash, the Story of a Weed Killer, Cancer, and the Corruption of Science by Carrie Gillum. You're going to be wrapped. You're, you're going you're gonna to not want to <laughs> put this You're not going to leave your chair. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and you're not going to buy cereal anymore. But other than that, <laughs> other than that, it's, it's, it's great. a great way to spend a weekend. Um, uh, give us a call, 847-475-1590. We'll take the fifth caller, 847-475-1590, and you will get a copy of Whitewash. We've still got a lot to talk about, Carrie. Um, these conversations, you know, how do you, how do you condense 250 pages into a, a 20 minute conversation? Mm-hmm. You really can't. Um, uh, and we've got, it's, we're going to do our best. We're going to, we're going to do our best. <laughs> and and you, you talked about, you know, part of what's going on in how some of these corporations are running roughshod over governments, not just the United States, but the EU they even have the precautionary, even with the precautionary principle, they're going forward and using glyphosate. They just had a vote to extend its use for five years, which is actually a victory for, for the anti-glyphosate forces in some way. We'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. If you want a copy of the book, give us a call, 847-475-1590. We're talking to Carrie Gillum. We will be right back, and we hope you stick around. Did you know it can take up to three liters of water to produce just one liter of bottled water? 
In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Over 22 billion water bottles end up in landfills each year, and far too many end up in our oceans and waterways. According to the Environmental Working Group, about 40% of bottled water is actually regular tap water that may or may not have gotten any additional treatment. They also confirmed there was at least 38 different low-level contaminants in bottled water and an average of eight chemicals. So, ditch the plastic water bottles, folks. Choose to filter water and use reusable bottles for your own health and to reduce plastic waste in landfills. I'm Green Diva Meg. Please visit thegreendivas.com to find useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color perms and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne keratin smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty, you no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. It's more like a roller rink. This is this is all skate. Okay, right That's here. That's roller rink. Is that roller rink? That's different. Okay. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with uh, Peggy Malecki. We're talking to Carrie Gillum, uh, author of the book Whitewash. It's about Monsanto. It's about Roundup. It's about glyphosate. It's about all the other chemicals. And that was during the break here. And those of you on Facebook Live heard this because uh, that continues to go out uh, during uh, our, our segments. Um we were talking about how this is – it's a cautionary tale, Carrie, about all of the different chemicals that are out there, although you happen to focus on, on glyphosate, right? Right, yes. I call glyphosate the poster child for the pesticide problem. Uh-huh. Uh, but we need to talk about the studies because yeah. – one of the things Monsanto says every time it comes up now and, you know, after 30 years of this or uh, 40 years of the chemical being out, um, now their, their standard line is this is the most tested chemical in the history of the world. So stop. We don't need to test it anymore. The science is in. Is the science in? Well, Monsanto's science is certainly in. Uh, what what we talk about in the book and, and what, you know, anyone can really find for themselves if they want to research it, um, you know, substantially, is that over the years there have been numerous studies conducted, both by Monsanto as necessary to get this product registered, but by independent scientists around the world uh, mm-hmm. in, in many, many different countries. And they've done toxicology studies. There have been epide- epidemiology um, studies that have been done and published in peer-reviewed journals, and this has all contributed to a body of work, you know, a large body of science 
uh, that, that people can look at. Now, the Monsanto studies are generally not published, and they're generally held as secrets, trade secrets. Um, but the independent science is out there, and the International Agency for Research on Cancer looks at substances. That's what they do, part of the World Health Organization. Mm -hmm. And they looked at the body of research on glyphosate uh, in 2015, took years of published peer-reviewed studies, and they said it looks like this probably is carcinogenic, probably causes cancer in humans. Most of the association was seen with non-Hodgkin lymphoma. They didn't say it definitely did, but it was Probably, which is pretty mm -hmm. high up there for for their international. Well, yeah, for their for their standards, and, and they yeah. have categories that they put it into. So right now, other studies have linked it to you know kidney disease mm -hmm. and liver problems and some reproductive issues. Now, Monsanto's own studies, uh, well, even some of Monsanto's own studies, one of the very early ones when the EPA looked at it, they said, well, Monsanto, this looks like it causes cancer because these mice dosed with glyphosate develop these rare tumors. And Monsanto said, no, you're looking at it wrong. You got it, you know. And that's what they do when there are, um, you know, results that are not favorable in studies. Monsanto's answer is it's invalid for some reason. There are confounding factors. You're not understanding or assessing the data correctly. And they have, they have said that this international agency of these esteemed scientists from around the world who have no money involved in this, no dog in the fight, that, that they're politically motivated, that they're relying on junk science, that they're just wrong. Uh, you need to trust the industry science and discount the independent science. Yeah, here's, here's, here's the problem with that. And you, you lay it out in the book, but it just kind of hit me in the forehead like a ball-peen hammer which is, okay, they take something like the International Agency for Research on Cancer. In 2015, they come out with this report and said that glyphosate was a probable carcinogen. And at that point, uh, as, I, as I wrote on my blog, uh, a lot of uh, agricultural heads exploded uh, because right. this was a very distinguished yeah. body of scientists, as you point out, that had no skin in the game. They just, their job is to look at the data and this is the decision we've come to. So since that time, uh, here's the insidious part. Uh, Monsanto has been working not to refute what they say, although that's part of their strategy. But their main strategy is to discredit those scientists personally and their organization and their methodology. I mean, that that's what I find so disturbing about all of this is that when Monsanto gets involved, they bring out the 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 dirty tricks. OK, they bring out the dirty tricks book and they start discrediting people. You've been discredited uh, in various <laughs> places. Um, and that is one of the, th and, and that is what we've devolved to, uh, from my, what I found in, in the science world, in the, in the horticultural world, in the agricultural world, it's almost a, he said, she said, my scientists are better than your mm -hmm. scientists. You're a liar and you don't have, your data was faulty. Your data's faulty. You don't have real science behind it. I have real science behind it. And now we're just at loggerheads going back and forth with this, no matter, you know, whether it's climate change, whether it's glyphosate, whether it's something else. That's not a good place for us to be in. And it seems to me that this is part of what they accomplish. It's obfuscation. It's, 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 it's throw it up in the air. Let's, let's establish doubt. And, you know, you know about the merchants of doubt uh, in terms of cigarettes and cancer. Uh, it's happening now with glyphosate.
Is 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 there anything I've gotten wrong uh, about no, this? No, no, that's exactly right. And, and two points on that, and this is why I refer to you know in the book title, the manipulation mm-hmm. of science. Monsanto and the chemical industry, they don't work just um, directly to discredit uh, scientists and journalists. Uh, Many journalists at the New York Times are part of uh, their targets. Uh, I'm a target. Scientists are targets. They work secretly. They have secret networks um, of individuals and organizations that appear to be independent of the industry. That, that do a lot of the dirty work for them. They, we've seen evidence through documentation that's come out through Freedom of Information Act requests and, and discoveries. In Monsanto's own internal documents show levels of intense deception and deceit where they are ghostwriting articles, ghostwriting research review papers that mm-hmm. appear to be independent of Monsanto and come out and people say, look, oh, that's an important piece of information from this independent academic. And, and they don't know that it was written by Monsanto or Monsanto's PR people. But we see that in these documents. And, you know, it's, it's tragic. It's a tragic manipulation of the scientific record um, that's designed to keep us all, you know, uninformed and, and in doubt, as you said. And, and one of the things they do, it's very interesting and, <laughs> and frustrating, is that they will say, your scientists are corrupted uh, by their association with this not-for-profit or that group because they once did uh, some research for them, okay? Meanwhile, Monsanto hires people. They hire scientists, but their science isn't corrupted. And they're uh, a revolving door between the EPA and the USDA and the FDA. and Yeah, and, and, right. the, and the EPA seems to be totally in the pocket of Big Ag, and uh, we've known that for a long time. It's, it's kind of frustrating, uh, to see that. Um, so uh, there, the tentacles go out long and they're, they're very mm-hmm. tight. Yeah. One of the things you talk about a lot in the book is the Monsanto papers. What exactly right. are those and how did you get them? So that is a term that's come to refer to these internal records from Monsanto that they have been forced to turn over um, to plaintiff's attorneys because they're being sued now by about 3,500 people around wow. the United States. Uh, and these plaintiff's attorneys, you know, have forced discovery. Now, Monsanto's been trying to keep all these documents, about 10 million pages so far, secret um, and, and held under seal. The judge is not going along with that. So we've been able to see, you know, several thousand pages so far. And as I said, these are emails, records, internal memos, uh, and, and plans. Mm-hmm. drafted by Monsanto officials for how to deceive regulators, policymakers, members of the public, um, how to set up, you know, organizations that aren't, uh, <laughs> that aren't independent, but appear to be independent. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's jaw dropping when you see these conversations about uh, how to fool people, basically coming from inside Monsanto. Can you scroll down here on Facebook, uh, Peggy? We've got a lot of great uh, comments that have been coming in, and I don't want to ignore these folks because, for instance, Catherine wrote, glyphosate is about keeping up with the Joneses. Uh, It's about having the perfectly artificially green lawn and showing your neighbor's property. Well, it's, as she says, a form of conspicuous consumption. That's really more 2,4-D, but but, Roundup is part of that. Uh, John Armstrong, oh, let's go to the Casey Tomato, and we'll get to John's in a second. Uh, Scroll back down there. I want to see Casey Tomato wrote, uh, other ingredients are added to make glyphosate formulations 
patentable since the patent on glyphosate alone has expired. Yeah, that expired around the year 2000. Uh, and he says it's a big pharma trick by adding uh, other ingredients, and then you renew the patent on that particular brand, I guess. Um, and uh, what was the... Um, uh, let's see here. John Armstrong wanted to know, and maybe you know this, Carrie, what is the lifespan of the residue? That's a really good question. What's the, that is a really, that's a really good question. Uh, we don't, I don't know the answer to that. I, I know that scientists have looked at that. I know that, um, there are some pretty esteemed scientists from within the USDA itself who have tried looking at this in particular in the soil. Because, you know, as you said, Monsanto has said this, you know, this is not going to persist. This is not going to be a problem. And they have found the opposite, uh, that it does. And, you know, we know DDT and others. DDT hasn't been used, you know, widely for years. But we're still finding residues of DDT in our in our soil, in our food. Even. Yeah, we are. Yeah. it's still like, Let me ask you a real quick question. And you, and you don't have to answer it if you don't want. Uh-oh. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's a little loaded. What do you think of the Genetic Literacy Project? Uh, well, I mean, it's another it's another hired gun. It's another mouthpiece uh, for the chemical industry. So, I mean, there are many of them. The Genetic Literacy Project is one of the most aggressive and assertive. They're very they aggressive. Are, They're very aggressive. This is, I mean, part of their job is to tear down anybody who challenges the chemical industry. Yeah, and 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 that's the problem too. It's that uh, and and it, what's been so effective. And I mentioned it once. I want to mention it again. Is just sowing seeds of doubt. Uh, and uh, if you ask me, if somebody asks me, and we got like sixty seconds here, if somebody asks me, do I think glyphosate is safe? I would say um, I don't know, and I would be careful. I'd be cautious if I were using it, and I certainly wouldn't be a farmer and, and slather it on my crops. You know, would I use it at home? You mentioned use it in the backyard. I've thought about using it over the years. I've never actually bought Roundup. Been, I've met to, never gotten around yeah. to it, and I don't think I will now. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, but my friends say in uh, ecological restoration say we couldn't exist without it. We couldn't get our jobs done, and there's, there may be a use for it. It's just that we're overusing it, I think, is the, the bottom line. You got well, I, I've asked them how they got their job done before it came to market. So we've been on the market for 40 years. Yeah. How, how do you deal with that? Listen, it's Carrie Gillum. Thank you so much for being on the show. The book is Whitewash, the story of a weed killer cancer and the corruption of science. Pick up a copy. We just gave one out. We'll talk to you later. It's time for Food Drive 2.0. The most popular form of giving in the U.S. is getting a makeover. And the Give Healthy movement and Amp Your Good are leading the way. It's now possible to donate fresh fruits and vegetables and other healthy foods to those facing hunger in our communities. Here's how it works. You visit the website of your food drive, pick out the healthy items you want to donate, and they do the rest. You get a tax receipt, folks get healthy food. Go to ampyourgood.org or givehealthy.org for details. After a big party is over, the people get to go home, but all the decorations get thrown in the trash. That's why there's Random Acts of Flowers. RAF collects flowers used at weddings, memorial services, and community events, then repurposes them into beautiful bouquets to deliver to people in healthcare facilities. It's a small and simple gesture, but when you see the smiles on people's faces, it's more than worth it. To learn more, call 847-430-4751 or go online at rafchicago.org. 
Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at MikeNow. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net. Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. What is this place? You're in uncharted territory. What do you mean? Where are we? I don't know if you've heard this. I don't know what it is. Tell us your name, please. 1590. WCGO Chicago. Flavorful golden brown turkey is the crowning glory of your holiday dinner table. Not mine. And real butter helps you serve a butter-baked masterpiece. Real mm. butter? Here's how to butter-bake your turkey. Okay. After stuffing the bird, yes. pat lots of soft butter all over, Ooh. especially on the drumsticks, breast, and wings. Next, cover the entire turkey with cheese Glyphosate. No, 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 not glyphosate. Butter. Butter. To butter. protect butter. it from shrinking in your oven. That depends where the cows were grazing. Then present. bake it slowly, without a lid. Ooh. Never higher than 300 to 325 degrees. Okay. It's going to take a Every long half time. Hour, Based with butter. Butter. When it's golden brown, you'll serve your family and guests the juiciest, tenderest turkey ever because mm-hmm. you use butter. This year, bake your holiday turkey the American Dairy Association way. Ah, I knew there was a catch. real butter. Real, real butter. butter. Can you say butter? Can you say environment? Hey, let's get a holiday greeting here. This is Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> Have a wonderful, crazy Christmas and a wonderful, crazy New Year. Go and go crazy. <laughs> Was that at Starbucks? You I ran be- into him? Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I guess he's going on his farewell tour. That's what I... Hasn't he been doing that for years? Because now? he can't say anything anymore. I don't get it understand anymore. You're listening to the Mike Novak Show. <laughs> Starring Ozzy Osbourne. Hey, welcome back. Uh, that was fascinating. That's a, It's an amazing book. Hey, um, who did we give away the uh, the book to? Do we have, uh, Randall, who, who, who is that? We who? need one more caller. Oh, well, okay. One more caller, 847-475-1590. Wow. You can snatch it from the last caller otherwise. And I'll tell you what, if we don't get the last caller, we'll give it to the fourth caller. <laughs> That's, that's, Come how, on, that's how easy we are. 847-475-1590. Uh, you, we're busy today, aren't we? You and, and, boy, this makes a lot of noise. Listen. Squeak. We need some of that WD-40 you talked about earlier. Which? Okay. Sounds like seagulls in the distance. It does. Um, I'm busy. You're busy. We're going to a conference tonight after all of this crazy stuff today, too. The... Chicago Community Climate Forum, which starts it, at six. At, in their infinite wisdom, they start at six p.m. Uh, at the Field Museum. At the Field Museum after a Bears game, boy, won't that be fun! Can't wait. I uh, can't wait to get down Actually, there. Actually, but it should be a great event. It is. Um, they're going to be reviewing and signing the Chicago Agreement on Climate and Community, and it's a big. Is that? Is that this today's? is the, the no. This is the community forum one where we right. get to sign it. This is sponsored by the MacArthur Foundation, a bunch of other foundations, and fifty Chicago area environmental groups. 
And some of the the speakers there are going to be Tony Anderson with the Sacred Keepers Sustainability Lab, Abigail Derby Lewis, or is it Darby? Uh, the Field Museum, Dallas Goldtooth, our friend uh, from the Indigenous Environmental Network. Wait, I got to do it the Bill Curtis way. The Indigenous Environmental Network will be there. Um, Athena and- Gore. Richard LaRiviere, Alex Poltrup from the who's, Urban Canopy. Who's He's been, been on the show. show. Uh, oh, Julia Stash and John D. from the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. Let's see if we can get me a genius grant while we're there, okay? okay. Let's I'll see. Work on Let's it. see if we can do that. Uh, Kimberly Wasserman Nieto from the Little Village Environmental Justice Program. All those folks are going to be there today. So it's going to be kind of, uh, and by the way, it is sponsored by the MacArthur Foundation. And if they happen to have any cash extra cash lying around today, um, I'm going to be there and And see if I can scoop it up. Well, and this is the predecessor to the whole North American Climate Summit that's happening Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday Yeah, this is so interesting. All this is like all of a sudden, at the beginning of December, they've got all these folks coming into town to discuss climate issues, which is a good thing. Yeah, and that's that's sponsored by the city of Chicago, and that's going to have uh, the mayor of Paris there. Hey, Randall, have have we got a winner there? Can we put him on the phone or on the on the line here? On she the, on... Uh, she ran out. No, come on. Okay, well, who is she? Her name. Congratulations to Kathy Kramer from Piatone. Cat from Piatone. Nice. I didn't even know you could get this in Piatone. All right, there you go. She ran out. Huh. <laughs> How dare you, Kathy? Well, she, she's gone out to work on her roses. Uh, and I I hope so. Uh, don't do much. Chris Van Cleve said, just kind of. Let nature take yep. its course, I, yep. and, which is great advice for roses. Uh, anyway, you were going to talk yeah, about... Yeah, I was just going through the... Um, this is a big North American Climate Summit. Now, that's it's part starting of tomorrow. tomorrow. And that's not open to the public. Tonight's event is, but you need to register. But, that's, but are they connected? Uh, this is the predecessor to it. It's I, I, I think they're kind of going on the like coattails. It? Yeah, the, I don't think that they're no. actually the same group putting it together because the one starting tomorrow and it is on Tuesday as well... That's the big mucky mucks. Yeah. Those are the... The mayor of Paris, the mayor you know, of Mexico City. Rom brings them in, have some cocktails with us, and uh, we'll talk climate change. Yeah, but a lot of environmental groups will be there, too. Like um, Audrey Fisher said she's going to be there. Kelly Nichols is going to be there with Mom's Clean Air Force. They, and they've got, uh, uh, as you say, uh, Anne uh, Hidalgo, who's the mayor of Paris, and Steve Adler, the mayor of Austin, uh, Enrique... Enrique, Enrique Ramirez. Ramirez, the mayor of Guadalajara. Uh, the mayor of Mexico City, Miguel. Mancera. Mancera. You, I'm going to have you do all Ed the Ed Lee, the mayor of San Francisco. So it's a, a lot of yeah. mayors here. All right. And that's starting tomorrow. That goes for a couple of days. And Peggy and I are probably going to. Be there on Tuesday. I think Tuesday morning. Yeah. There's a plenary uh, on Tuesday. Um, so do you think. Uh, yeah. And then. So so in between that tomorrow, then you're heading out to McCook. Yeah, where, this oh my. is going to be. Where is Mike? Oh my, where in the world? <laughs> and yeah. does he have his coffee? Yeah, because we also got a uh, a notice that the uh, McCook Reservoir is going to have a uh, the tunnel and reservoir plan is having a ribbon cutting tomorrow. And I got an invitation <laughs> so from the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District. So yeah, I'll go. So Why they, not? So this is the the big new reservoir that they're opening. Um, the uh, the McCook Reservoir is part of the MWRD's tunnel and reservoir plan designed to improve water quality and prevent flooding in the Chicago region. The first stage of the reservoir holds 
3.5 billion gallons of used water, wow. about the amount of glyphosate uh, used in America. We could just sort of pour it into there. Is that the we? amount of water that's sometimes in your basement? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, stormwater that would otherwise flow into the region's waterways when fully completed in 2029, the reservoir will have a capacity of 10 billion. Billion? To Wait, billion. 10 billion. No, no, no. This is a Carl gallons. Sagan. 10 oh, billion. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. How's your Billi- Carl Sagan? Billions and billions. Oh. It almost it sounds a little bit like Tom Skilling. Uh, my Same Carl my, my Carl Sagan is a little bit like Tom Skilling. Speaking of Tom Skilling, if folks are wondering where Rick DeMaio is this morning. Oh, right. Yes. He's a little under the weather, but he did send us some weather maps saying it's going to be gorgeous through tomorrow and then look out. Snow yeah. by the end of the week, cold temperatures, gale warnings. He said to something earlier in the week that said, it is, we could possibly have a white Christmas. Yeah. I'm dreaming of a white. But he sent some weather maps that said we could have two inches of snow on Friday. Really? Yeah. I didn't see that. He sent those yesterday. See, I got, I was, I was out gigging last night and I got in so late and I finished everything up so late that I have no idea what Rick DeMille sent. So I'm, I'm glad somebody's paying Somebody attention. Somebody read it. I wouldn't have known he wasn't going to be here. And, and Well, I actually did see his email this morning. So so hope you're feeling better out there, Rick. We yeah, need you back Rick. here next Sunday. Get better. I'm glad he got a, a day off. Uh, anyway. Oh, and, and, we, and we got a milkweed question that I don't think we... Um, Missed that. Let's see. A good friend is being converted to native plants and preserving pollinators. Just beginning to garden included milkweed. I think common milkweed, but I'm not sure he ended up pulling it up. Can you advise or refer me to someone can advise? Yeah, I can do that. Barbara Winblad, I'll send you information. Thanks to all the guests on the show, Chris Van Cleve and Carrie Gillum. Uh, until next Sunday, go green or go home. Uh, Stadler? Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.